Welcome to the third episode of this podcast where I speak with Hobie O'Rourke, who I've been friends with for at least 10 years now, probably. And he's done a lot of travelling um, around the world, and also he's learned a lot of Japanese, and he's got an interest in languages. So, without further ado, welcome Hobie. Hey, hey Hochi, how are you doing? Not bad, not bad. So, um, yeah, basically, yeah, thanks for coming on to this uh, podcast. So, it's yeah, the no third episode. It's the third episode of this series, and essentially... I thought it'd be great to have you on board because of the amount of traveling you've done, really, and learning Japanese, which I can't imagine how you could even get started learning that language. It's, it seems to me very complicated. But so talk me through like what went through your mind and what made you want to leave the UK to go to Japan? Well, to go to Japan, it was it was a big decision, really. And it was a few yeah. years in the making as well. Um, oh, wow. I mean... I guess I guess it all started really um, when I went to university. Right. Um, I I wanted to learn a foreign language, um, and I'd, I'd studied a bit of German before in in high school, but yeah. I really wanted to learn um, Chinese actually, because um, I was you know fascinated with uh, like the you know the writing you know all the yeah. all the characters all the symbols. Um, you know, I love Chinese food and stuff like that too. Yeah. Um, but I, I went to the, the university that I uh, really wanted to go to. Actually, they they didn't have Chinese uh, on offer. Uh, you know, as a as a foreign language at the time. Yeah. But they actually had Japanese, and I was just like, oh, I don't really know much about Japan, but yeah. you know, they 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 write in the in the the characters and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So I was just like, you know what? I'll I'll do Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's pretty much where it started. Okay. I, I basically didn't know really anything about Japan. Um a lot of people on the course did um you know because of like anime, uh movies, oh, yeah. uh, video games and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But I, I wasn't really aware of stuff like that myself really. O- although actually um, when I do look back, I, I, you know, I uh, when I was younger, I used to watch stuff like Dragon Ball Z and stuff. But I just didn't really yeah. make the connection. Yeah, with that being Japanese, right? Okay, um, that's mad. So when you were at university, was it part of your course, and was it like integrated learning Japanese with the rest of your course, or was it? Yeah, it was, was it? actually. It was. Um, it was like a module within within my degree, so I could choose like an elective uh, module, and I wanted to right. do uh, yeah language, like I say. But oh. my, my degree was actually account in accounting. Yeah, that seems quite like seems a bit irrelevant, but it must be they must complement each other in some way. Like maybe you want to be a an accountant in Japan, for example. Well, or- yeah, yeah. I mean, I say it was accounting. It was actually accounting and international business. So it, it, oh, it definitely, yeah, definitely complements the uh, international business side of things. Yeah. Which was, uh, oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, useful. Of, yeah. And sort of where I was hoping to go maybe in the future, you know, work abroad or something like that. Yeah, uh, definitely. At the time. So at that time, you sort of knew in a way that you wanted to live abroad to some extent even at like university at like 18 years old sort of thing yeah yeah I, I always sort of had that sort of a bit a bit of that dream I guess yeah um because like I said I I did German in high school and I enjoyed the German exchange program and yeah um, I'd been traveling with my parents to a few different countries and yeah I really enjoyed that 
those sort of uh you know intercultural experiences and stuff. yeah exactly oh, and, then and so I, so go for it i was gonna say i just and then i actually did the japanese uh exchange program at university as well right so that that sort of gave me the first uh taste of japan <laughs> yeah that's true so how much japanese did you learn at uni versus like when you went over to japan and you're like hmm this is like was it useful like what you learned at uni or was it like how does it compare yeah was it, I mean, it was it was definitely useful um at, at the time it felt like oh you know I, i'd learned a lot of japanese but actually it was i'd really just scratched the surface yeah uh, okay. i mean it's a it's a difficult language to learn there's like three different alphabets i guess um well so we only really learned the first two and then after that that's when you know it's the kanji you know the the chinese uh style uh characters yeah and it gets uh you, you realize you're just at the you know the base of the mountain <laughs> yeah wow okay i see so um obviously from that point you, you went to uni and you studied japanese there um, what happened sort of after uni then? Um, so after uni, I, um, what did I do? I, I went to, I went <laughs> to time. Russia. Yeah, yeah. I went to <clears throat> Russia for a short while. Um, and then yeah. I came back and I started, um, my new job. Uh, and it was, I was working in like an IT company, uh, working with apps. Right um and uh, like ipads and and you know uh dealing with clients and things like this oh yeah uh, and yeah and that was a you know a good experience um but i was there for three years in total before wow. i, I okay. uh, went to japan yeah ah and did you enjoy it like what what was it like working there and what made you sort of leave there to go to japan like what made you decide well i mean i, I enjoyed working there because obviously yeah um like i had really good boss um all, all my colleagues were really friendly and all the clients too um yeah. but I, I i've never really been good at sort of um routine um yeah <laughs> you know sort of waking up at the same time every day you know going on the same commute uh yeah you know and then you sit on your chair and then you come home and <laughs> it's dark already because we live in england it's like you wake up and it's dark you come yeah home, exactly it's dark because dark uh, like 3 p.m winter doesn't yeah, it so. in the winter yeah i mean in the summer it's not too bad but in the summer you know it's sunny outside but you you're inside so yeah. i've always been a bit more i don't know i'm, I'm not just not very good at uh yeah <sighs> coping with routine i guess so right yeah uh, i just wanted to try something different really yeah okay um, yeah that, that makes sense yeah and i well i i always sort of had this dream of going to japan because of university and that's why uh i went specifically to japan to japan rather than anywhere else anywhere else yeah um yeah, so uh, yeah, I guess oh that's God. why. <laughs> just, just so, my, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I suppose like for anyone who's listening to this, the question is like obviously if they're in a situation where they're they're thinking, because mm, especially now 
there's a pandemic, obviously, isn't there? Uh, yeah. We're just sort of in the midst of it. Um, and lockdown is gradually being loosened so people can travel. A lot of people will be thinking, mm, should I quit my job? Should I go abroad? Obviously, it might be in a few months' time before that's possible, but they'll be debating it now. What yeah. advice would you give them? Uh, I know it's a bit different now compared to when you went because there wasn't a global pandemic <laughs> over, uh, <laughs> over everyone. Yeah. But what advice would you give them in general if they're wanting to leave their full-time job and go abroad? Yeah, it's a good question because... I suppose with with the pandemic, it is a bit of a, I mean, yeah. it could be like a turning point for a few people, uh, you know, they'll finish one job and, you know, yeah. what, what am I going to do next? Um, I mean, obviously, I can't really advise with, um, in, in terms of the current, situ- current situation with the pandemic, because, yeah. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to, like, yeah, yeah, foresee uh, anything in the future, yeah. Yeah, whether... I mean, I can't uh, advise whether or not to go in this current climate, but um, in in the future, definitely, I I really I really recommend um, you know if if you can, if you if you think you can, um, you know, if you've got that sort of desire to to go abroad and to uh, live and and work abroad, I, I really do recommend it. I think it's a uh, you know you can gain some really good. Uh, life experiences yeah I think it's uh, definitely worthwhile what um this is going to be a hard question this might be a bit weird um, (laughs) and what sort of three things did you learn from your experience of moving to Japan three things um let me think I I think one of them for me was independence I guess okay um I mean, I, I you know I got a bit of independence. I went to university, but it was it was really when I was in in Japan. I I, I arrived there and I was just like, oh wow, it's it's just me. Um, yeah. So I had to you know get to know the place, make some friends, connections. Um, you know, I was really you know in charge of myself. Like yeah. everything I eat, I had to you know make some food, get some takeaways, and <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Yeah, that's one thing that I think was yeah really important for me. That How I, to be I, more independent? Yeah, maybe I didn't quite have that in in England. I I, I don't really want to. I, I learned to drive, but I don't really like driving. So <laughs> you need a car to be independent here. But in Japan, yeah, it's, it's good because um, you know the train the train system's really um, you know reliable. Not like <laughs> not like here. Yeah, exactly. You know? northern rail and that but, um, <laughs> um yeah so it's a really good place if you want to get uh independence because maybe it's a sort of second point as well is uh yeah you know for me i you know i'm a bit uh what's, what's the word um not not really not really introverted but um you know dealing with uh sort of like large crowds and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like you wouldn't yeah. jump into a large crowd just because you enjoy it sort of thing is what you say. Yeah, exactly. So the second point for me maybe is that um it was a good it was a good chance to um you know what's the phrase like come out my shell or whatever it is. Um Yeah, okay. You know, I had a good I had I I actually became a teacher in Japan, so 
I had to right. teach uh, large groups. Um, and a few times I went on like a stage and talked in front of people. That's and mad. in Japan as well, it's really, there's really a lot of people uh, on the streets. It's really, you know, bustling because it's a, you know, I was in Osaka. It's a, it's a big city. Yeah. Um, right. So, and coming from the countryside here in England, it's, uh, it takes <laughs> some getting used to. But yeah. I think, like gaining, I don't know what skill I'd call that, but I don't know. It, it certainly helps with sort of like, uh, I don't know, and social skills, anxiety, I guess. Yeah, sort of like, you know, facing your, your anxieties head on. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Type okay. thing. And a third, a third air skill or something I learned in Japan. Um, what else did I learn? I mean, I suppose one of them is Japanese. Um, but not just that, it's, you know, communication as well. Um, it, right. You know, I, I learned to communicate with people from all around the world, really. Uh, when I was studying Japanese, all my uh, classmates were from different countries. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, some from England and New Zealand, but uh, a lot of them right. from China, uh, Taiwan, Vietnam. Um so I suppose so, it would have like opened your eyes and your mind to like different cultures and think, yeah. oh, okay, that person's wearing X, Y, Z clothes or the way they interact or food they eat and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's all different. So there's there's so many opportunities to learn, uh, not just about like Japan when I was there, but about other countries as well and around the world. And yeah, and I did a, a volunteering job as well, which maybe we'll talk oh, yeah. about later. But um, that that was really um a, a really good sort of intercultural experience you know right. meeting with people from around the world and learning about their cultures and, and, and things like that yeah okay yeah that's uh, that's uh fair enough i can sort of like relate in a sense to when i like the first time i did my erasmus year when i was mm-hmm. what 21 um going to second to third year of uni um, I went to Spain. I went to Castellón de la Plana. In yeah, Spain, you did. And that was like the first time, like I was 21, I'd never been on a plane before on my own. Mm. So previously it was like as a family holiday with my, like my parents and brother or whatever. But um, I'd never been on a plane on my own. So when I went, when I was at the airport, like my heart was beating. I was like, <laughs> I was considering that like the previous night, I was like, do I really need to, do I really need to do this sort of thing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, was, I was nearly like talking myself out and that's a dangerous thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, so how did you like feel obviously when you were, you quit your job in the UK and you, you'd book your flight to go to Japan on X date and it was night before. Talk me through like, how, how are you feeling about that? How was I feeling? Um, yeah, good, good question again, but uh, I think at the time I I wasn't really nervous um, in the same way that you were when you went um, yeah. to Spain, but I I don't know I I I sort of felt ready at the time for a change. Um, it, it sort of felt like I was going on an ad- adventure. Um, yeah, I wasn't really I wasn't really nervous at all. Actually, um, if anything, I was quite excited. Um, yeah. Okay. All the, possibilities you know of things that can happen and things to do and you know sort of I felt like I was following uh, one of my dreams like going to Japan that's good yeah I suppose like that that's weird because it's a different mindset I suppose because for me 
Although, so the the reason I got into going to Spain was because on my second year, we could um, sort of submit an application from a paper form document yeah. saying whether you'd like to do a placement abroad or whether you'd like to do Erasmus or whatever. Yeah. It's an international exchange program for people who don't know what Erasmus is. Um, but yeah, so I literally ticked a box at the bottom of the application where it said, if you were able to be given a place to study abroad on the topic that obviously you're studying for your degree, which for me was engineering, and mm-hmm. um, where which countries would you like to go to? Like obviously okay. there's multiple, but you could only go to one. Um, I selected France because I'd done a bit of GCSE French, so I, yeah. I knew a little bit of French. And I took Spain because I'd been there for family holidays, and I was like, hmm, this would be interesting. Yeah, let's yeah, go. Yeah, familiar. Learn. Yeah, exactly. So those were the other, and I, there was also USA to tick, but um, I didn't tick that because I don't know, just France and Spain uh, were on there. But my point Close is, that, yeah, exactly. But I think the point was that that was sort of like a it was sprung on me because the only way I found out that I was going to Spain was because one of my friends who was with me on, on the Erasmus uh, year, he had, first of all, been chosen to go to Spain to study in the university over there mm-hmm. um, in Castellon. And a week later, he texted me saying, oh, by the way, James, you've all, you're also coming with me. And I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> so it, it was more of a like, um, not like I was dragged into it, that's the wrong word to use it more it was more yeah. like it was set up for me rather than i'm actively choosing to do it so maybe that's yeah. the difference in mentality but um, yeah you you're sort of thrown in at the deep end <laughs> didn't really have yeah. time to uh yeah prepare as as much but as i say like it was um but i think it's because it's like the first time i'd been on that sort of exchange like you went to germany previously didn't you and you'd done yeah. some traveling before that so you had exposure to what it's like mm-hmm. to be in a completely different country and survive <laughs> essentially yes, yes but uh, yeah so that i suppose yeah. for you it's more excitement like when you're at the airport and you're, you're dropped off at the airport and then you're like waiting for your flight i suppose you were like excited rather than scared or anxious weren't yeah you? yeah i was and and actually um i'm just thinking back to when i sort of first got the I well, idea I guess of going um oh yeah I actually I went on holiday with uh one of uh, well some of my university friends like a group of them and yeah. uh while while we were on holiday I found out one of my one of my friends who I'd uh, studied Japanese with um was going to Japan uh right after uh-huh. that holiday actually I didn't I didn't realize huh. um and she was like oh yeah I'm going to Osaka you know what I've done is uh, I've enrolled into a uh, language school so that I can learn Japanese right. and um, so that that's that's where the the idea uh, first got in, into my head yeah because I thought oh okay like it was always my dream but I didn't know how to do it you know how, yeah how, the physical you, practical steps yeah yeah exactly because you always think oh I want to move but then you're like oh no I like I've got no <laughs> reason to go that sort of thing there's no way of you know yeah no stepping stone to lead me there but then I was like oh yeah yeah this if I went uh enrolled into a language school for a few months I actually enrolled for a year um at first and yeah that gave me the stepping stone to yeah practically um yeah make the move there oh, okay yeah that makes sense because obviously you'd already you'd sign up to go to that university to do that and 
it was all around the arrangements around that, like the accommodation and having enough money saved up and things like that, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it's true. I think when you do move to another country, um, it's yes. it's good to have something set up, um, especially if you need a visa, of course. You know, right. you either need a job um, or you need, yeah, like a a place to study or a reason to keep you there for a long time. Right. You know, it's the difference between a holiday and living abroad. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Right, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, it's weird because I think as well, because from my personal experience, I went to Castellon in 2013, 2014, and spent like nine months there, like an academic year. And then after that, um, at like the end, the last few months before uh, I left in like June or something, I was like, hmm, mm, I definitely want to return to Spain and live here again because I was getting like really good. I was getting decent at Spanish, like by my level, basically. Assuming yeah. that when I went there, I knew like literally one to ten in hello. <laughs> um, yes, you had to keep it up. Yeah, exactly. By the end of it, I, I reached uh, sort of an intermediate level and I was like, well, I want to sort of keep this up and return in the future. So what happened was in, I think it was 20... 18 from the top of my head it's quite hard mm. to remember now or 2019 <laughs> it's 2020 yeah. now is that i keep forgetting 20, that 20 now, um, yeah yeah i think it's actually uh yeah 2018 the september after i'd worked for a company for a year um in sales i'd um i'd saved up a bit of money just as like a just in in case everything fails and i've, <laughs> I've become homeless and I, I saved up some money and i thought right so i'm going to um move to spain for a bit but i wanted to integrate yeah. with uh students because I, I was what 25 and i look about 21 so i thought yeah i could get away with being a student still <laughs> yeah <of course. laughs> just yeah taking advantage of how young i looked um but yeah so i thought right let's if i'm gonna keep up with my spanish the best thing to do is to move over there and i didn't have like any commitments at home i wasn't like renting a flat or anything so i thought mm, if, if in theory if i have x amount of money like a couple of grand saved up and I book an like accommodation over there. Basically what I did was I managed to book student accommodation. I sort of pretended I was a student in a way. Yeah. Uh, I, I shouldn't really say that, but yeah, I, I reached out to, I joined an Erasmus Facebook group in yeah. Valencia and I thought, hmm, should I go to Valencia or Castellon? Mm -hmm. Valencia is obviously a city uh, in Southern Spain and Castellon is a little sort of town about 30 minutes from I say little town it's a great place I'm not sort of undermining it <laughs> yeah but uh yeah so Castellon was where I did my um my Erasmus year which yeah. I didn't even know existed um but I thought right so let's go to a bigger city mm -hmm. Valencia where there's still a beach and there's a yeah there's sort of more to do in theory um and I thought surely if I go then I enroll on a student um, language course which would integrate me with the other students like international yeah. students then that'd be fun and I could learn more Spanish and also because you're in the country it means that after you finish your say it's a Tuesday afternoon and you've done four hours of learning Spanish then you go and you do shopping yeah but you have to speak Spanish as well so it's not like oh I can't be bothered to speak Spanish now after class like it would be in the UK it's the fact that you have to integrate with Spanish people so yeah. you don't really get a choice um <laughs> So, yeah, for me, it was, uh, it, it was a bit weird. I mean, I'd, I would say I'd do it again, but there, there had to, there'd have to be like a bigger reason to do it. 
and it'd be like in the future i think um how would you yeah. say it was different then so the first time you went with you you were on the erasmus scheme but the second yeah. time you went you, you you didn't you didn't um like for what what purpose did you go and so how was that different the experience yeah so i mean for me the I was less nervous because I knew that, wait a minute, I've done this before. I've moved to Castellon before and lived sort of abroad. But this time it would be me quitting my job, saying bye to all my friends in the UK for a while. Yeah. Going over. I wasn't going with anyone else. I was literally going over knowing nobody in Valencia. And that I, I was still like... I. I was anxious about it. I was like, hmm. I was excited as well, but anxious because I was like, right, this is out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And when I sometimes get anxious, my appetite goes off. And yeah. I'm not exactly fat, so that's not like the best thing to happen. <laughs> so I have to like, uh, I obviously eat to sort of stay alive and that. That's what people have to do, isn't it? So, um, yeah, so I was like, right, okay, let's... Um... So, yeah, it's weird because I was at the airport and I was like waiting for the flight, but... I tell you what, right, having a phone, I think my my sort of, the thing that kept me going was the fact that I had a phone, I had internet, mm -hmm. so that when I arrived in my room in the rented student flat, I was with just Italian people. They were really, really friendly, but I didn't know much Italian apart from ciao. <laughs> and that, that's like hello and goodbye in Italian. Yeah. And that's all I knew. But they didn't really speak much English. So... There's a girl there, an Italian girl, and two two guys, and they knew like one one of the guys knew a bit of English, so he could hold a conversation. But mm -hmm. my level wasn't that good. So on top of obviously, uh, it was a very different experience to Castillon because in Castillon, I was able to, I had a friend who I knew from university uh, called Dom, and he was uh, and he basically helped me and showed me around and everything like that because I arrived a, a bit later than other people. Um, so he'd sort of introduced me to a, a few other Erasmus people from the UK and from France and from Germany and yeah, a, a lot of different people really. And I learned, I dived into deep end like that, but I was less, because I had people around me, it was less scary. Um, but the second time when I went, it was like literally like, okay, quit my job and move abroad. And it was like, when you're going I, to be a teacher as well, I think you yeah, that's it. So what happened was um, after about a month of, or yeah, after about a month of being there, what happened was I was like, right, okay, I've got this money saved up, but I don't want to absolutely smash through it. So I don't want to like blitz through it. Um, so I thought, right, I need to get a job of some sort. So I thought, right, I can speak English, obviously being native. Um, but, and I'd done a bit of teaching online on a platform called Verbling, but I wasn't really like, I, I'd got a TEFL, but yeah. it was quite easy to get. It was like online on like Groupon or something like for £10 or like, <laughs> I think it was 30 or 60 hour TEFL. And it was like, yeah, it's the basics of like nouns, adjectives and things like that. But I didn't like, I wouldn't call myself like a, an experienced English, English teacher, but that was for like a teaching kids. So I went for the interview and I think it went quite well. And then I was asked, Oh, can you do these dates? However, the irony is one of my friends, he was having a, a sort of party get together yeah in england that week and i'd already booked the flights prior to that <laughs> to go and uh, do that so basically i couldn't be there to teach to at that, that language. Job. yeah 
yeah so they said okay well we'll we'll find someone else then and then they did so i didn't get that so uh ah, I, I didn't i know yeah just because i mean i could have cancelled the fights but they were like 150 quid yeah so it's quite a lot of money and also i wanted to, i was like missing friends and family back home so it was more like a i didn't want to it was my choice so, so what uh, did you do next then did you look for more jobs or and so no what happened then was i i accepted because i applied to a few different language uh, or a few different schools but i didn't get that many responses so because obviously i hadn't done much like in-person teaching i'd only done online teaching so that, that was different but um yeah what happened then was yeah exactly so what I did then was after spending a week living in a flat full of Italians, I thought, hmm, I'm not here to learn Italian, although Italian is a great language to learn as well. Yeah. I'm not here for that purpose. I'm here to learn Spanish. So I was thinking, hmm, I don't want to get a sort of concoction of what word to <laughs> yeah, use. Oh, yourself. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. So at that point, I, I moved out into another one full of one English guy and two Czech girls. So it was a, a bit different, and I was the one who could speak, um, uh, like I, I could speak sort of semi-fluent Spanish, yeah, uh, uh, rather than the other people who could speak okay Spanish, but not as sort of fluent because I'd, I'd yeah. sort of experienced it before. But uh, that was fun. But um, yeah, so as soon as I did that, I was like, I felt more like a bit at home because it's like they're a friend sort of thing, and I could sort of yeah relax were- with them. Yeah, they yeah. were also uh, studying Spanish as well, so you can, yeah, study together. Yeah, exactly. So, so after like two weeks of being in their flat sort of thing, I felt more relaxed and I could sort of enjoy yeah, good. the atmosphere. But I, I did find though that like because like so I, it's my opinion that for to reach like highs of like um, you have to go up and down basically in like in terms of your uh not life but in terms of, like your emotions you have to have positivity mm-hmm. and negativity as well yeah for it to be for it to work so i always think because obviously people have like jobs and they have nine to five jobs and they look forward to the weekend and then they have like monday some people don't like them but it depends what job you're in for <laughs> so my point is that um because for me the first six weeks were like constantly like quite good it was like going out to the beach just sort of chilling going on nights out and, and having fun Mm-hmm. but then there's a point where it gets like a holiday is a short period of time between it could be like one week could be like two weeks could be more but there's an ending point to it yeah and you have fun for that period because you know that it's going to finish yeah and you got true. normality so that's the reason it's a high because it follows with a low yeah um depending on like how you see the highs and lows but yeah you make the most of it then <laughs> exactly yeah so that's what i discovered that if you a lot of people have like the opinion or like the idea oh i'm gonna quit my job and live abroad and all it will all be perfect Mm -hmm. but that's not always the case because your mind invents some of the lows so you might be having the highs and something little things like a shopping trip or buying the same meal Mm -hmm. again and again some monotonousness if that's a word yeah (laughs) Uh, monotony monotony that's That's, it okay my english teaching Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) uh, experience coming out there Uh, yeah, literally the experience shows through there for you. Um, but yeah, so the monotony, it it can get to you a bit. So for me, it was I was there for about uh, about three months. I came back um, after the first semester, so uh, in December. 
firstly because my money was getting low so i thought right so that i need to probably get a job in the uk yeah um and also because um the vibe and the buzz of moving abroad and everything i'd i'd learned lessons and i'd done what i wanted to do i passed my i did the full spanish course so it was like semi-intensive so like um it was like twice a week and it's like three or four hours per day of that week it's like tuesday and thursday four hours and um, so i got to a level b1 again which is like intermediate and that's the level yeah. i was hoping for because that level like you, you don't, you're not the best at speaking but you can understand and you can speak and it's sufficient yeah. for basically it's what i wanted to get back to I, up i'd to probably say my but, japanese is a similar level actually oh would you yeah it's sort of the intermediate uh oh yeah 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 that's it so like some things like uh like subjunctives and some complex ways of speaking like oh mm-hmm. i wish if i were you things like that things like you don't even think are difficult in english but they can be difficult in, in another language another language yeah they they can be i'm at the point now where i'm still trying to sort of understand them and the tenses i can like flick between if i'm mm-hmm. um, if like you know if you've been speaking japanese like a week or two yeah you can get back into it can't you yes yeah but it just takes some time so, exactly but i still think that if you like if i was to move to spain for like a week or two or a month would be ideal but realistically two weeks would be enough sort of thing mm-hmm. especially if you've got like a job and you're taking holiday um if i was to move to spain for that amount of time then i think and for you as well your language level would rise so much yeah it 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 rises more than it would have before sort of thing because you already know a bit how to speak it so it'd be a case of speaking a bit more with native speakers and then it it just click yeah and that's what i think yeah i agree like there's no there's no better way of learning a language really um you know than full immersion immersion into um yeah. the, the culture you, you know you're surrounded by it you go out shopping and all the food packaging and you know restaurant menus it's all in that foreign foreign language yeah and i think as well like a lot of people listen to podcasts on like language podcasts and i think that's a good idea because first of all they tend to be clearer spoken than on the radio so if you listen to a spanish radio it might be the same in japanese the radio oh yeah it's difficult to understand (laughs) yeah it's it's absolutely rapid and they also use colloquialisms and informal language or terms that you might not know and it's like, what, what the hell is that word sort of thing? But I think on a podcast, they make it clearer. Um, it depends, obviously, what podcast you listen to. Yeah. But I think it's easier to listen to a podcast in either like, Japanese for you or Spanish for me. Yeah. That's one way of improving. Yeah, I agree, actually. Rather than just like a textbook or something, textbooks may be good, but um, yeah. I found, yeah, YouTube videos. There's quite some really good, you know, free YouTube videos that uh you know, a bit, a bit more interactive and then you can, you can repeat yeah. after it. It feels like you're having a bit of a conversation. So it forces you to actually <laughs> yeah. speak rather than just uh, learn the language in your head. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. But I also find that like, cause I think of what emotions and what, um, what feelings I had when I was in both Castellon learning Spanish, like in the lessons and in Valencia, when I returned back a few years later. And I think a lot of it is down to like, you want to make friends and if you make friends with spanish people and they talk in spanish with their friends you want to understand what's going on yeah so you make effort to it's more of a social aspect like social not pressures but motives like oh yeah. i want to make friends with you therefore i'm going to try and learn that like, i've got a spanish mate who um who 
his English, like I only speak to him in Spanish, so it's really weird because like you have different personalities in different languages, don't you? Really? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what like I I've not spoken to him in English for a long time, but last time I had a uh, a, chat, a FaceTime chat with him was like uh, in the midst of the pandemic, so like what two months ago or something. Um, but it's all in Spanish, and it's it's really weird, but it's it's fun because it's like maintaining a relationship in another language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that, like for me, it might be different for different people. But how's that for you? Like, do you find that you learn a lot reading a book, or do you find you learn more engaging in the conversation? Yeah, definitely um, from engaging in conversation. Really, um, just sort of communication with people. I think you you learn the best. You learn best when you when you don't really think of it as learning sometimes, you know, you're, you're just, yeah. you're trying to communicate with, um, you know, your friends and you don't know the word. So you're trying to explain it and they tell you the word and, and then good. you yeah. just learn it um, a lot quicker than writing it out over and over again. Although that is necessary for, you know, Japanese yeah. to learn the, the characters. But I, I still like, because there's people obviously with, um, what's it called? Where they find it hard to read or write. Uh, dyslexia yeah um, some people are dyslexic and I know a couple, I won't name anyone but I know a couple of people who are dyslexic and I found that if, if they're able to talk um, openly and they're quite mm-hmm. outgoing and extroverted they can you would have thought that in order to learn a language it helps you and you can learn faster if you're able to read or read and write in that language properly mm-hmm. but actually I found that a mate of mine he's dyslexic but he's he was really good at Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, he learned Spanish a lot quicker than I did, wow. but he just couldn't read or write that well in it. I, but see. I was surprised at how well he did, even though he couldn't read or write in it. Yeah, yeah. So it seems that, so by that logic, I would assume that for some people, it could be more beneficial to engage in conversation with native speakers rather than just reading it from the textbook, maybe. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, there's no harm in the textbook. There's, you can still yeah. learn grammar and things like that. But yeah, there's no no better way of improving your speaking and listening skills than having conversation. And and it's yeah, yeah. You, you you do pick it up a lot faster because you're using it. You know, it's uh, in context. <laughs> yeah, that that yeah, that's that's true. And also, like if you're in person, like for example, you go and order McDonald's or Burger King. I know I use two fast food restaurants. I'm I don't just eat fast food, don't worry. But um, if you're at a restaurant or something like in Spain or in Japan, have you found that um, if you try and speak the language, you always get treated better than if you just speak in English? Um, I suppose that could be the case. Um, I mean, in in Japan, yeah, I, I think they, they do really appreciate it when you make the effort to speak uh, Japanese. Um, and it certainly it helps you get what you want, uh, you know, faster <laughs> as well. So yeah, yeah it's appreciated. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, the reason I ask is because it's happened like to me on a couple of, of occasions where there was at, at this uh, when was it? It was like a few years ago when I was at an airport in in Ibiza. It was like a, I was visiting friends, and it was I think it was 2017. It was after my Erasmus period, but before going to away to Spain and long story short I was at a connection flight in Ibiza going from like um from Valencia back to 
Manchester, but via Ibiza because it was a cheaper flight. <laughs> and um, the crossover was between like 1 a.m. and 5 a.m. in Ibiza. So I was just chilling at the airport in that amount of time. Yeah. But I didn't have an opportunity to print out my boarding pass or anything yeah. um, before the flight. So I had no way of scanning the barcode from my phone to let me into the gate. So I was like, mm, how can I get around this? And obviously, I remember that back in the olden days, I'm going to call it, <laughs> um, many years ago or a few years ago, uh, you had like physical tickets um uh, sent to you via mail, didn't you? Yes, yeah. To go on your flight. So rather than like having a boarding pass on your phone as a barcode, you'd have physical tickets. Yeah. And you can still do that now. I didn't realise, but you can still do that. And you just walk <laughs> up to a, a checking gate yeah, and you yeah. ask for... I, I didn't realise you could do that. but I, And it was like 1am. I was like, okay, that's interesting. Um, so yeah, I did that. And um, basically what happened was I, print, I got a, a ticket printed out for me and I had an issue with it. So what I, what I did was I went to... A help desk. I think it was like uh, it was an uh, it was like okay, it was a Spanish airline basically, um, and I went to the help desk. You know, at the side of the airport when you're in the terminal, uh, you have like help desk, don't you, for each airline like Ryanair, Jet Two or something. Yeah, and um, you have them. Basically, there was a woman there, a Spanish woman, and I went up to her and I said, "Hi," in English. I said, "Hi, there's an issue with this. Can you can you check it or something?" Yeah, and she's like, oh, blah, blah. she was quite sort of rude and like no 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 go away sort of thing oh really she says some random oh, right. thing yeah she was quite quite rude and i was like okay oh, it's sort of one in yeah but um it's a bit weird and I, I didn't know what to do but i had my phone on me and i had google translator yeah and i was like mm, okay and i went away for a bit and i, I sat down and i was like right let's think about this because there's a few words that i didn't know that i wanted to say I so i was like let's have a look and obviously if you can find out Google Translate isn't the best at finding out words, but if there's a set word like a tree, for example, that doesn't differ. Things that differ are like colloquialisms and different formalities, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. In how, like when you're speaking with friends. But what I did was I looked up the right words on Google Translate. Yeah. And I was able to ask her to check the ticket and ask for advice about a ticket, but all in Spanish. And as soon as I went up to to her desk again, I said, oh, Sorry, well, I said this in Spanish. Hi, sorry. Um, what I meant to say before was, can you check this ticket, please? Because I've just had it printed by your colleagues over there and it doesn't seem to let me, doesn't seem to work. So can you check it, please, on your end? Mm-hmm. And then she suddenly turned, like, really friendly. <laughs> and wow. it, it was mad. It's like, a, it's like wow. So, difference. I know, yeah. But, but um, I understand why, I can understand why she was like, I mean, there's no reason to be rude. Like, I, I didn't get annoyed or anything because I was too tired <laughs> to get annoyed. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's weird. Like, that's what's happened to me before. And it's also happened, like, when I'm at a shop or something and I, by default, speak Spanish to Spanish people, they treat me with more respect because they know that I'm trying, even if I get it completely wrong <laughs> and I get the wrong sense or whatever, yeah. they get the idea and it's like you're showing effort. So, has that, like, can you think of a time that that's happened to you or does it not happen that much? Um... I mean, yeah, I mean, in Japan, um, some some people do speak a very, you know, fluent English, but the majority oh, yeah. of people, yeah, don't really speak English. Um, so when I first arrived, it was it was really difficult and there was probably lots of misunderstandings. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I remember when I had to set up my uh, my Internet, for example, and they they just they go through the whole sp- spiel of the um 
you know, the, the contract and all this over the phone. I didn't have a clue what they were yeah. saying. I was just like, hi, <laughs> hi, hi, Wakari Master, I understand. <laughs> didn't have a clue what they were saying, though. Um, so, yeah, most the, the first year or so while I was there, I, I, I didn't really have a clue what was going on. <laughs> Um, wow, but I, I don't, I don't really feel that they, they treated me any different. I think if anything, they they, they tried to treat treat me as if I was already <laughs> able to speak Japanese. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow, okay, which was quite nice, I think. Um, and a lot of people yeah. make the effort as well to try and say things in English if they can. If I if I look uh, clueless, yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I mean, yeah, that's, I've had that same situation to be fair. Like if I'm like trying to speak with this native Spanish person and same in like Barcelona or like uh, Benidorm, I've, I've been to both. Um, Benidorm, like it, like it's basically like Spain just for Brits. So it's not like my favorite place, but uh, I, I prefer a place like in Spain where no one can speak a word of English and then you're forced to speak Spanish. That's, that's how yeah, I like it. So it forces um, Yeah. It's mad like how, um, because I think some people have preconceptions, if that's the right word. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, preconceptions of how English people or how other people interact. And I think that's that, like that's always going to be there. It's not like racism or anything, but it's just um, because of the people that they might have met before. Like if I've met a person from X country and they've treated me badly or been rude, then I'm like, hmm, maybe more people like that from that country. Yeah, like a stereotype. Um, yeah, exactly. So I there was an occasion when I was with a few mates in Benidorm and uh, basically I, I sat down and there's three of us in total and th- this waiter came across to us, this uh, Spanish waiter, and he could speak quite good English and he sort of said, um, hi guys, where, where are you guys from? Sort of thing. And we were like, oh, and we just say Manchester because obviously, obviously like yeah. Manchester is the most popular place near to where we live sort of thing. Yeah. Um, he said, oh, oh, Manchester. Oh. And he was like, oh, c- can you... Be, be quiet can you sort of not not get rowdy please because because <laughs> um, l- last week they had like a, a group from Manchester a stag party. Uh, yeah and well a stag a stag party of like people from I, I'm not sure if it was Manchester it might have been just England in general but because we said Manchester he was like oh they're English guys so there was like a group of English guys like the previous week who sort of messed up the whole area I don't know to what extent yeah but it, it left a bad image in his head of like English people. So we were just sat there chatting yeah. and he was like, Oh, can you, you not make a mess? And I was like, I, I wasn't like offended. Cause I don't, I'm not easily offended, but I was just surprised at like, wow, that must've like massively changed your image or perception yeah, of English yeah. people. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, eventually what happened was I was like trying to practice some Spanish with him. And because I, I tried to practice Spanish with him, he sort of appreciated that. So it sort of, it put his mind... So hopefully I've now changed yeah. his perception of what English people <laughs> yeah. are like. Restored the balance. But, exactly, our, yeah. But um, English reputation. <laughs> I know, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, yeah, it's my, I mean, you, you'll get that anywhere, won't you? But I think it's just if you try to um, put an effort, put some effort towards other cultures, then yeah. you're more accepted. In some places, like, if you if someone offers you something like food or whatever, it's actually rude to decline it in some cultures, yeah, isn't it? So you've got to be careful. Well, yeah, it's definitely important to, um, you know, um, try to understand the local culture and, um, you know, 
um, try try things that they do, and um, yeah, yeah, because if um, I mean, you know, you you are you're not in your own country anymore. You can't uh, assume yeah. that the way you do things is correct in a in a place. Um, you know, you have to be sort of respectful of uh, that. There is uh, this sort of a different culture. Um, yeah, in 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 each place you go to. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and um, it's weird because, like, if you think about it, like, we were born into an or into a British culture, right? Um, and the way things are done, like around England or the whole of the UK some like in some areas it's completely different to some countries like in like i don't know there's some countries have a completely different culture like they don't own cars mm. they have like mopeds or they don't even have any form of engine they just sort of cycle around and they have a completely different way of life but i suppose like lack of exposure to that is what creates yeah. sort of division yeah I think. like if people you might go expecting to be ferried round in a car exactly and it's like Oh, I, I don't want to ride a bike, <laughs> but you should really just nah. you know, live, you know, try and experience, see it through the locals' eyes and experience the way they do. Uh, be respectful yeah. of their way of life. Definitely. But I think also it's like it's if you don't travel and by travel, I don't mean like go a year traveling. It could just be like a week of going to a different yeah. country. I think that. If you don't do that, you don't get exposure to what other possibilities there are of way of life, ways of life. Yeah, you know I, I mean? agree. I agree. Yeah, traveling is definitely so beneficial. That, <laughs> that's it. And like, uh, even the way people are towards each other. Like, for example, I like an example. Example could be when I moved to Spain again for the second time. Um, you only you only realize how nice people are when they don't expect anything in return, and people in the uk i won't say obviously who but some people would think that oh if you go to spain they they expect they give you a free shot for example at a bar because they want you to buy more of their drinks mm. or they give you a free sample of their food because they want you to buy more but that isn't the case i've come to realize what it's not like realization but it's more of like a reinforced um theory that not everyone wants something from you and some a lot of people in the UK may think that that's the case until they've gone and travelled. Mm -hmm. So it's just like ways of life that you sort of get exposed. Have you found that in yeah, Japan? One thing I sort of wasn't quite used to at first, but I, I got used to it eventually. Is yeah. when when you do go to Japan. I mean, as a sort of uh, you know non-Japanese person, you do sometimes stand out. So quite a lot of the time, I was approached by random people wow. um just you know they wanted to chat basically so you know i might be having my bento in the park my little lunch box and um oh yeah you know, someone would come and sit next to me and it's like oh hey where are you from and you know they just want to you know practice english um i might be on the train and someone's starting to speak to me or you know i bump into someone <laughs> on the street and they're like oh hey do you want to go for dinner uh, and it's just like yeah, sure. That's <laughs> yeah, whereas in England, I I wouldn't really think of doing anything like that. I think Japan's so safe that you you yeah. eventually get uh, accustomed to that, and it, it, I mean it's quite good in that respect. 
I think that's quite yeah. cool. Yeah, but definitely. in England, if someone like, approached me in a park, I'd just be like, "Oh my god, what what does he want?" <laughs> you know. <laughs> I know it, it's mad. I think, like, especially like in the UK, a lot of people can be quite materialistic and think, mm, "This person coming up to me obviously wants something from mm-hmm. me. What are they going to rob me or something?" <laughs> and like, I, I think that's like that's. I mean, that's not everyone, but a lot of people are like, "Oh." what car have you got, what house, and uh, a sign of like doing well in life is having a nice car and a nice house or X, Y, Z possession mm-hmm. sort of thing or latest phone. But I think in, in some countries, like in cultures, they don't care about that. And I mean, it might not be suited for everyone, but I suppose like you can't choose where you're born. So I suppose it's in, in your it's your choice to go and see what else there is out there rather than just what you're born mm-hmm. into, mm-hmm. in a sense. So, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I just find it, like, fascinating when you say, like, you're approached by random Japanese people on the street and they invited you yeah, for, for food or to get... <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's mad, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> sometimes I, you know, I had to sort of politely uh, refuse because... Yeah, you don't, you don't, you still don't know quite what they want. But I think most of the time in Japan, yeah. they honestly just want to just speak English to you. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. So I suppose like, I, like if you treat it as like everyone wants something from you, I suppose their personal gain from it is the ability to practice English yeah, without yeah. having to pay for English tutors. Yeah. Something, so yeah, or just make friends as well. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, that's yeah. That's yeah. That's insane. Like. And um, one thing I, I know as well is when I was living in um, Castellón, like a lot of the Spanish people were like super friendly. So it's like if you had a previous mentality that like Spanish people are like unfriendly, which obviously isn't true. Um, but yeah, if, if you had that, that would destroy it by people just offering you food and being mm-hmm. like, they treat you like a celebrity because you're English and English is so like sought after nowadays they're like, oh, I really want to practice it with you, but they're friendly about it, sort of thing. Yeah, they, so? yeah, yeah. And then, and obviously, it's by um, you know communicating with people, uh, you know, if they want to learn English, that's that's good. You know, it's good that they they want to learn from you, and then you can learn from them as well. You know, about their, yeah. their country and their language as well. Exactly. Okay. So, um, yeah, one question yeah. I did mean to ask is. Like you went on to a peace boat, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I went on to peace boat uh, last year. A... Yeah. So. Okay. And how was that? What was that like? Well, like, what got you into, yeah, into it? Yeah, it was a really amazing experience. Um, it was actually my um experience with um teaching English. Um, I found out that they uh, on peace boat they have uh, volunteering positions, um. Uh, teaching English on actually on the boat um, and this boat oh, yeah. travels around the world it's mainly um, Japanese passengers but uh, also other people from Asia and other countries too uh, there's lots of uh, guest yeah. uh, speakers um, it, it's sort of a bit like a, a mobile university there's there's always lectures taking place uh, talks discussions um you know, a, a lot uh, about current uh, events or issues, for example, like sustainability right. um, and, and things like that. But but also, yeah. um, going back to sort of what we said before, 
one thing that they do promote and and the reason why I um, um, sort of accepted and went after this particular uh, volunteering uh, teaching role is uh, their sort of perspective on, um, you know, interculturalism um, and cultural exchange, uh, which I found was very, you know, sort of right up my street, um, you know, with, uh, you know, my... uh, perspective of things but yeah it was it was a really good experience uh, i i was teaching uh japanese to uh the uh, sorry i was teaching english to the japanese passengers uh on board um but wow. also got to um go to uh the different ports um the um so quite a few different countries uh, we had the opportunity of going to and um, right. again further uh heightening the cultural experience yeah it's really good made a lot of friends and had a lot of fun (laughs) it's good (laughs) i was gonna say yeah that that sounds uh so essentially the deal then was um you would teach you like obviously give up your time and effort to teach english to, to people like that and then so it would help to know their language as well then wouldn't it i suppose yeah um yeah, you don't need to um, speak Japanese um, to, to become yeah. uh, an English teacher on this uh, particular um, volunteering scheme. But um, for so it yeah, helps, it? particularly for the beginner level um, students, it is it is useful if you can. It's a bit more reassuring for them if you can speak a little bit of Japanese, so they can. If they're really struggling, they 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 they're not afraid to ask you. Uh, in their own language yeah. as well to so they can get their point across okay and and in terms of obviously i imagine you get like food and you get a room to stay there in exchange for your yeah, teaching and yeah. what what's it is it is it fun do you know would you do it again oh I, yeah i i definitely would <laughs> yeah <laughs> at some point right. in the future I, I would like to um you know apply for um well, I'd ideally like to apply for Peace Boat again. Um, it was a really good experience. Yeah. And they're, they're expanding as well. Um, so right. they're releasing like a, or they're, they're building a uh, eco ship, um, sort of, you know, sustainable um, cruise, cruise liner yeah. with uh, solar panels oh. and, and things like this. So oh, yeah, that's it's, cool. it's uh, yeah, one to look out for. Especially yeah, if you're working in Japan. So, I, I recommend it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, like, normally, like, uh, how long was that for? How long were you on that piece um, for? I was on there for three months in total. Wow. Um, some okay. people did, uh, stayed on longer. They did a sort of double uh, voyage. But the stan- the standard yeah. uh, thing to do is, is three months. And you really do pack a lot yeah. of, uh, you pack a lot into into that time. And you, uh, yeah, yeah, you really uh, make the most of. You have to make the most of it when you're doing it. You know, I yeah. got up early every day, and right, you know, wow, <laughs> went to bed late after teaching lessons and doing events and partying yeah. and yeah, hanging out with my friends. Oh my God, Jesus! So, what countries? What places did you visit on that boat? Um, well, it started out in Japan, and then it circumnavigated the world so it ended at japan as well and um okay you know went 
through quite a lot of countries like Malaysia and Egypt and uh, a few places in Europe, yeah. uh, New York and Jamaica. And uh, wow. we went to sort of South America, um, Easter Island as well. Um, that was quite an experience. Okay. And <laughs> yeah, around uh, Papua New Guinea, Australia, uh, well, quite quite a lot of places to be honest. It would, uh, t- yeah, if I could uh, list them all, but <laughs> that's mad. And how many of them did you get to sort of walk around in it and like experience um, them? A lot, a lot of them. Um, but obviously, as a uh, member of staff, uh, the the um, the passengers take priority. They they they. Uh, you know, they they yeah. get re- released. Uh, they they're allowed to um, <laughs> step step off the boat uh, first, um, while we finish some of our duties. Um, and sometimes we we were involved in sort of uh, guiding the the passengers uh, on and off the boat and um, helping set up for events um, at certain ports. And sometimes we we um, with the English students we. Uh, took part in programs at the ports um, where we uh, guided the students around and, you know, communicated with, with yeah. them in English while at a port. And we had some challenges and things to do as well. Right. That's cool. Oh my God. So I suppose, like, do you take, like, a lot of pictures and videos oh, yeah, while you're there? Yeah, sort still, of thing to remember. still sorting through them all, actually. <laughs> <laughs> my God. That's my idea. You, like, things like that, like, I... I'd be a bit like, I'd be anxious to go on that because obviously, like it's a, it's a boat, and if you don't like it, you sort of it's like you, you sort of not not stuck, but it's like it's not as easy yeah. to leave as like if it was up to you yourself. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to swim if you wanted to leave. But but no, when when I <laughs> when I first uh, got the the position, I I, I was actually very nervous yeah. about this one. Um, I just sort of doubted uh, maybe my ability. <laughs> as a teacher um, <laughs> and things like that. But after after a few weeks, after I got over the uh, seasickness, I was like, oh, wow, this yeah. is really, really uh, well suited to me. Like, exactly. It was like, yeah, it, it was the, the next level of, yeah, of uh, exchange program, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. So I suppose, like, did that... Did that teach you like what values? Uh, this is going a bit deep now, but that did that teach you like what values you look for in life and like whether it's money or fame or relationships or uh, ex- like uh, experiences? Like, has it taught you about more like what you want? Um, in essence, yeah, I think so. I mean, when I went onto it, I, I sort of looked at it as a bit of a turning point in in my life. I I, I was thinking, yeah. what do I want to do next? Um, and so I, I was, I was thinking, oh, I, I enjoy teaching, but long-term, is it what I want to do? And so I was, I was really seeing if I enjoyed the teaching and I did, I did enjoy the teaching, but then, then I was thinking long-term, what am I going to do? Um, cause I do still want to right. live in Japan, but, um, for a while as well, I'd, I'd been thinking about studying, um, maybe, you know, going on to do a master's uh, program. Um, but actually yeah. what I want to study is uh, 
sort of biomedical science and things like uh, pathogens and, and and things like this. Yeah. And um, so, um, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 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 makes it. So it's more a case for you, like, mm, like I like the bit of you like the bit of traveling and like speaking with different people and and experiencing different cultures but at the same time you're like mm, do i really want to continue teaching for for my life but you discovered that well I, whether you discovered that it on that boat or for a long time you want to do biomedical yeah i science, guess i guess it gave me the sort of we, enthusiasm to chase my dreams almost um i think that was yeah that, that's it really and so when i came back i i began searching for courses um with right. the, the aim of sort of pursuing a bit of a career, uh, well, a career change really, uh, in in yeah. yeah biomedical science, biomedical sciences. Compared yeah, to like yeah, accounting, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so that's that's what I'm currently doing now. I'm I'm, I'm actually back in England and uh, I'm studying. Yeah, but I I don't know. Since coming back, I'm 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 a little bit. Uh, well, not not really homesick. It's more well Japan sick. <laughs> I I actually miss Japan. <laughs> I, I didn't really miss uh, yeah. England when I was out there, but um, now I'm back in right in England. I I really miss Japan, and it's it's made me realise well yeah. that I I do want to go back, um, um, and live there in the future again. Yeah. Okay, so maybe like obviously get a job as like a biomedical scientist or some sort of scientist over in Japan. So I live there again, but doing a different thing full time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so still live the Japan dream, but with a different career. Yeah, uh, hopefully this course right. uh, I'm doing now will open a few more doors, and maybe I can. Well, we'll see, but maybe I can go back and um, do a ph PhD um or something like that in yeah. japan um or work for a for a, a business there uh you know doing research yeah that's that sounds that sounds good yeah um what, another question i do have is um obviously in like society we have like these uh milestones like checkpoints that people have as a collective sort of set in place like for example one might be oh it's a good idea to have a a career that you're setting by the age of 30 or have landmarks by certain age ages to sort of yeah. compare yourself to other people as to how far through life you are. What do you think about that? And how does it, how's living abroad and like traveling the world and seeing different cultures, how's that changed your view on that? Um, it's a good question. I, I mean, really, I tend to view my life uh, three years at a time um you're sort of talking about milestones right. and that and that's that's how i tend to think of it yeah you know university was three years then i i worked for three years and then i went to japan for three years um so oh, now I, right. i'm i'm starting that next uh milestone maybe uh you could say and this yeah. is the sort of the um these three years will be the um preparation for the next three years yeah direction so try, try yeah. this new career path and study um and then see where that takes me 
So a little bit flexible, yeah. but I do have sort of long-term goals. Uh, and I think it's it's good to have yeah. goals actually to to always you know have something yeah. to aim aim for. But maybe again, that's just um, you know sort of um, personality. Again, I know some people are quite happy not mm. to have uh, goals, um, and they can you know they're, they're quite happy with you know stability. <laughs> Whereas I am the opposite. I don't yeah. really like stability too much. I like uh, the unknown, and yeah, right. I don't want it. I want a, a little bit of planning ahead, but not too much. Yeah, enough to keep it interesting. Okay. Yeah. So in terms, of like, obviously, you, you say you don't like too much stability. And um, what was sort of an ideal, like, imagine like you've got your your masters in biomedical science or your yeah. PhD, and you moved to Japan, and you're now you're now working in japan so that, that's yes. your ultimate goal at the moment see what's your like the ideal day or the ideal week for you in that situation uh, the ideal week in in the future do you mean like, yeah like if you obviously when you're in the uk the thing that made you move across to japan was because of the monotony of having a sort of full-time job and sticking to a schedule and doing the same routine. Um, if what, what would be different if you were to work in Japan? What would be different if I was to work in Japan? Um, I mean, I think yeah. I, I, I go back to the, the lifestyle that I, uh, became accustomed to. I, I really did enjoy the okay. sort of city life. Um, you know, going around by train rather than needing to drive everywhere. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'd be able to sort of keep keep doing that, and um, yeah, but still follow be following my other dream of uh, you know uh, yeah. you know this career change, and uh, yeah, maybe doing a research sort of job or something like that. Okay. Yeah, decent. Yeah, I just thought I'd ask because obviously, like, um, now I've got certain like checkpoints in my life where I've had like a, uh, I did a degree in aircraft engineering, then I went into, I, I did like a, a year working as an engineer, and I realised mm, that's not what mm-hmm. I want to do for the rest of my life. I don't want to fix because obviously, I, like, I've got a PPL, so flying is a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but now that's more of a hobby rather than a, a career point sort of thing. But um, that's just because um, as I got older, I realised mm, actually it's quite automated if you want to be a commercial, an airline pilot. Um, so that's the reason why I chose not to do that because it's quite automated rather than hands-on, mm-hmm. which I like doing. So I do it more as a hobby now. Um, but yeah, but there was certain checkpoint points in my life which I realised, mm, what do I like about like, you know, like work, what do I look for in a job? And I suppose, like, some people say, like, a job is for life, but I disagree because the different parts of your life, you experience different things, and they can sway you yeah. and influence you to it's, it's have organic. different interests. So if you start, yeah, exactly, yeah. And I think that, like, people who, who say, oh, I want to stick with this for 20 or 30 years because I've heard my parents or someone say, no, it's good to stick with a job. I don't think that's the best 
thing to do, obviously depending on personality. But I think that because we, like, even if you go on a holiday for sort of a week in Spain or something, you might think, hmm, I want to do, I, I like power shoot jumping, I want to be a skydiving instructor. You might change yeah. sort of roles drastically. So I don't know what your thoughts are. Um, yeah, I mean, well, like in like what, career what exactly, um, what, what exactly do you think? I mean, t- yeah, like I- I'm just thinking like because I studied aircraft engineering. However, I think that like, and then I went yeah. into sales in Manchester. So I was selling <laughs> uh, software. Then I went English, to Spain yeah. and I taught English online. And yeah. then I came, yeah, then I came back and I did uh, more sales. And then I'm, I'm now working yeah, you're, you're in um, online flow. marketing. So, but because I showed... <laughs> Exactly, but it's because like my interests have uh, changed. But I'm like, obviously I'm still working out now. But I was just wondering like if you've because um, some people follow their intuition as to mm, what do I like doing, and I think that's like the hardest thing about working out what you want to do, like working out what you like and dislike, and that can change as you say. Like you're uh, yes, you're on like yeah. a three year loop, aren't you? Rolling loop of life essentially. So I suppose for you it's a case of. Mm, you travel a bit and then you find out mm, I I like that I don't like that mm-hmm. let's do a bit more of this let's do less of that yeah I do and I, I think you do you, that way I suppose don't you yeah you, you just you live and you learn the uh, experiences that you do um, create new ideas for you to follow um, you know you, it, it's it's sort of like uh, you know it's like uh, Goldie, Goldilocks and the you know the bears and the porridge you know you you, you, you try this one or you know, I enjoyed this porridge, but it was a bit cold. <laughs> you know, I want warmer porridge, and then you try a hot one, and it's like, oh, that was a bit too hot. And then, you know, yeah. y- y- your life gradually tends to what you uh, yeah. want. Um, I-, I think eventually, and-, and as you said earlier, you know, over time, you know, as you get older, the things you want change too. So it is quite an organic, uh, you know, thing, really. I think it's just good to, if if you can, if you have your, you know, dreams of well, whatever they might be, is to do your best to to follow them and see where it takes you. It might not take you where you thought it um, it would, but yeah, ideally you'll you know you'll find your way to that. that and that's okay, isn't it? Porridge, <laughs> and you'll you know you'll enjoy it when you get there. Yeah, and then when you get there, you might <laughs> think, oh. I've enjoyed nice, this porridge. Nice. I fancy, yeah, fancy something else instead. You know, fancy some chocolate cake, and you move on to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's a good uh, a good chat actually. Yeah, I never thought of it like that, but um, yeah. yeah, definitely. That's that's mad. Um, and yeah, just as we're getting like towards the end of this uh, episode, um, like what, like obviously from this point onwards, what what do you intend to? to do like now do you like because obviously you're studying um, yeah that's right you're studying at the moment aren't well you're about to start your pre-masters year aren't you, um, in September? so one year so what's the plan from that point onwards yeah well it's sort of long term then but I, apart from I don't know I've got some sort of crazy dreams of um you know researching um you know things like you know viruses and genetics and things like that and I mean it's it's complicated stuff I don't know if I yeah, um, I actually have the capacity to do it, um, and I have sort of a you know I, I want to 
you know, research <laughs> things like, uh, you know, what causes baldness and stuff like that. Um, and hopefully do something beneficial or not just that, but right, interesting yeah. as well. <laughs> Keep me uh, learning, you know, about the world. So sort of long yeah. term, you know, you know, it would be nice to have a Nobel Prize, but I don't think, yeah. uh, I don't think I'll be going that far. Yeah, we, you know, you never know. <laughs> so, Fingers crossed. It takes me, I think.